divine souls. So far in this series, I've explained to you that every soul is an eternal astic. Every soul has an eternal faith in God and desires only God. The reason behind this is that God is happiness. Anand, which means perfect divine bliss, unlimited and everlasting. And every soul is desiring only this kind of happiness and can never rest until it receives that happiness. And since God is that Anand, thus it means every soul is desiring God. A soul receives perfect happiness by attaining God. We've been seeking this happiness since eternity because we ourselves are eternal and we've been seeking it every moment because our mind never rests and never will rest until we attain that divine happiness. A soul only can attain God while residing in a human body. And that chance is a limited chance because the human birth is temporary. You get it one birth and you may not get it the next. It may be a long time before you get the next human birth. So we have to take advantage of this opportunity we have because in this life we're born as a human being. So it's our chance to try to attain God. Everything else that we do can be done in any other life form, like raising a family, loving someone, getting attached, eating, sleeping, doing all of those things are possible in any other species. The only thing which is special to the human species is that we have the ability to perform karma and we have the chance to attain God. However, upon, upon <coughs> further explanation into our scriptures, we saw that the Vedas say God cannot be known. Although knowing God is the ultimate goal of every soul, yet the one who thinks he can know God is foolish because God cannot be known. God cannot be known because He is beyond our senses and mind. And He is beyond our senses and mind because He is divine and our senses and mind are material. They're made of maya, our indriya, that's mayik, prakrit, our mind, mayik. And God, beyond maya, divine. So divine, by definition, is beyond material. So no maik padarth can reach to the divine world. So since our senses and mind are only made of maya, thus our senses cannot perceive divine God, and our mind cannot know divine God. He is also said to be the prerak, prakashak, and dharak of our soul and senses and mind. 
So since he is the one giving life to us and he is the one giving the power to our eyes to see, then how could our eyes see him? He is the one giving the power to our mind to think and know, then how could our mind know him? He is the one upholding the function of our senses and mind. So how could our senses perceive him or our mind know him? In addition to this, God is said to be the only knower of his own self. So no one else can know him. And he is Sarvagya, whereas we are Alpagya. So how could Alpagya know Sarvagya? Furthermore, he is the abode of simultaneous, simultaneously existing opposites. Viruddha Dharma Shrey. For instance, he is simultaneously smaller than the smallest and larger than the largest. So how could a limited material mind understand such simultaneously existing opposites? It's not that way in this world. Something is either this or it's that. It can't be both this and that. Something is either black or white. It can't be both black and white at the same time. So for all of these reasons, God cannot be known. Yet, Ved also tells us that He can be known and He has been known by uncountable souls in the past. So then we tried to find out how did they know about God and we learned that they all knew God through God's grace. Bhagwan jis par kripa karte hain, usi bhagwan ko jaan sakta hai. So only the one who receives God's divine grace can know God. Then how do we receive God's grace? Well, before we got to that question, we had to clear a couple of doubts that arise when we talk about God's grace. For one, when someone hears this, that God just has to grace me, then I can know Him, then many people will think, I have nothing to do except for wait for God's grace. So in the meantime, let me just indulge in enjoying this world and not worry about spiritual progress or finding God. After all, it's all up to Him. I can't know Him. When He decides to grace me, then I can know Him. And some other people may take the excuse of destiny that, well, I've also heard that everything is destined so when it's destined for me to know God, then I'll know Him. It's out of my hands. What can I do? So we examine both of these points in detail because it's very important to understand how God's grace and our destiny are factors in our life, but how simultaneously we still have our own free will, which means we're independent to think what we want, say what we want, and do what we want. So it means we're performing karma all the time. Then how does God's grace interact with our life? God does this much. He gives life to every soul. 
He gives life to our senses. He gives life to our mind. He gives life to our body. Or you can say God gives life to our soul and since our soul is in the body, the, sen- the body, senses, mind all receive life from the soul. Same thing. The origin of that life is God. Having given us that life, He has given us the power to think, say, and do. But having given us that power, He doesn't interfere. We have free will. We are independent. And He keeps track of what we do, and then He gives us the consequences. So His grace is there. He's gracing everyone to have life. But He's not interfering and controlling what we do, which means His grace is present in our life, but we're also responsible for our own actions. And as it comes to destiny, destiny is also a factor. But that destiny itself comes from our own past life's actions. So just like we can't put the responsibility on God and say, oh, nothing happens without your grace, it's all on you, when the fact is that He's giving us life, but what actions we perform or don't perform are up to us. Similarly, destiny controls certain things in the outer world, meaning certain things that happen to us, good luck, bad luck, Yash, Apayash, Jivan, Maran, Hani, Lab. All of these outer things are controlled by destiny, but what we think, what we say, and what we do is never controlled by destiny. It's our independent free will. So while we are bound to undergo the consequences of our past life's actions, in the form of prosperity or suffering in this life. Yet, while we're undergoing that sukh and dukh, we still have control over what we're thinking, saying, and doing. And that's our new karm, which is going to form the destiny for our next life. Daiva, daiva, alasi pukara. We shouldn't use this philosophy of karma and destiny as a reason for laziness. That, oh, it's all destined, so I'll just do nothing. No. We have to do something if we want to progress. Because no one is static. (laughs) If you stop trying to progress... Spiritually, you'll go backwards. Instead of becoming a good person, you'll start becoming a bad person. So we have to keep moving forward spiritually. There's one more place people tend to put the responsibility off of themselves onto kal, samay. They say that uh, time is all-powerful. I'm helpless before time. Just like someone may say, I'm helpless before God. Whatever is the will of God will happen. Or I'm helpless in front of my destiny. If it's destined, it will happen. If it isn't, it won't. Some people say, oh, time is all-powerful. Time can turn a king into a beggar and a beggar into a king. So when the time is right, I'll know God. 
Just like when God graces me, I'll know God so I don't have to do anything. When it's destined, I'll know God. What can I do? When the time is right, I'll know God. So what can I do? To all of this, Tulsidas Ji says, no, it's false. Sadhanadham mokchakardwara Payana jehi parlok samara So paratra dukha pavai sir dhuni dhuni pachitaya Kalahi karmahi ishvarahi mithya dosh lagaya This human birth is our big chance to find God. It's our, this is our sadhana dham, this human body. So if we don't use it to do sadhana in order to attain God's grace and know Him, then we'll regret it. At the end we'll realize that we've wasted this life by putting mithya dosh, wrong blame onto God, destiny, and time, when actually we should have taken responsibility for ourselves. So we see that we absolutely must do something in order to receive God's grace. <clears throat> it makes sense logically. Uncountable souls have lived we have been here for uncountable lives, but many, many souls have received God's grace and become God-realized. We were there at that time as well with Tulsidasji, Mirabai, Nanak, Tukaram, all of these great saints. They were our brothers and sisters. They were in the same boat as us, but they received God's grace and got God-realized, and we haven't. So it means that we've had the chance and we haven't taken advantage of it. Now someone may wonder, is it possible that we've remained bereft of God's grace because we're bigger sinners than those others who received God's grace? We've done more offenses not just social offenses, there are also spiritual offenses called namaparad. When someone thinks something negative about God or even about one of his leelas or even disrespects his name or even disrespects a God-realized saint, all of this is in the field of spiritual sin called namaparad. Is it possible that we've done more such sins and that's why we've remained bereft of God's grace? No, this can't be the reason. Because the fact is that before God-realization, every soul is equal in this regard. Because every soul has lived uncountable lifetimes, so every soul has done uncountable sins. None more, none less. We're all the same. And besides, God is willing to forgive any offense. When Jayant came and pecked at Sita and even caused her to bleed, Ram became enraged and fired an arrow at him. 
that chased him throughout all the three worlds. Jayant couldn't escape. He eventually came back to Ram after trying to fly all through all three worlds to escape this arrow. He came back and fell at Ram's feet and begged for forgiveness. Ram said, no, I cannot forgive such an offense. You've sinned against my Sita? So at that point, Sitaji said, Maharaj, is it okay if I say something? He said, yes, yes, of course, please go ahead. She said, Nakashchim naparadhyati. Maharaj, tell me this. Before God realization, has there ever been a soul? Is there currently a soul or will there ever be a soul who before becoming God realized does not do any aparad? They all do. Ram thought, yes, it's true. I must forgive him. So God can forgive anything. Then why haven't we received his grace? It means there has to be some kind of condition that we haven't yet fulfilled. That's what it comes down to. Those who received his grace and attained him, they fulfilled that condition. And we who haven't received his grace, we haven't fulfilled that condition. To find out what that condition is, again, we can simply go into the Vedas. To dasyeva sharana amahasya rigved. In other words, become sharanagat, surrender to God, then you will receive His grace. Yo brahmanam vidadhati purvam yo vaivedanscha prahinoti tasmai tagvangha devamatma buddhi prakasham mumukchur vaisharanamaham prapadye shvetashvatropanishad O Supreme God who gave life to Brahma, who produced Brahma in the beginning, who produced the Vedas in the beginning, who gives life to my soul and my intellect. I desire to attain you, so I am surrendering to you. We who desire your grace are surrendering to you. Sharanamaham prapadye We surrender to you. So we see that by surrendering, we can receive God's grace. Tapah prabhavad deva prasadacha. The Vedas again say, do sadhana in order to become surrendered to God. Having become surrendered, you will receive His grace, and then you can know Him through His grace. Gita says the same thing. Tameva sharanangacha sarvabhavena bharata tat prasadat param shantim sthanam prapsyasi shashvatam Gita says, go and surrender to God. Having surrendered to Him, 
you will receive His grace, and having received His grace, you will get the unlimited divine bliss. This condition of surrender is told again and again in the Gita. Ananyashchintayanto mam ye jana paryupasate te sham nityabhiyuktanam yogakshemam vahamyaham. Krishna says, You surrender and I will do your yogakshem vahan. Meaning, he takes full responsibility for those souls who have surrendered to him. So we have to surrender and then he will grace. He says, you surrender, I grace you, you cross maya. The Bhagavatam says the same thing. Shri Krishna says, I am the soul of all the souls. So they all have to surrender to me. Manakrama bachana chari chaturai bhajatahi kripa karat raghurai the moment a soul abandons all craftiness and from mind, word and deed surrenders to Sri Ram, he immediately graces them. So we see the condition is surrender, then we receive his grace. But some people still try to find some philosophical loophole to get around the need for God's grace. For instance, there are some who believe that maya is an illusion. It doesn't actually exist. It's a brahm of our mind. Brahm means a mistake, a confusion. This maya, this world, it doesn't really exist. You're only imagining it to exist. So it's a brahm of your mind. Although this is not the philosophy of our Vedas, because Veda says... Mayam tu prakritim vidyan mayinan tu maheshwaram. Shvetashvatropanishad. Maya is a power of God. So God is real, so his power must also be real. Shaktitvan nanritam vidyam. Shandilya Maharshi says in his Shandilya Bhakti Sutra. That maya is not fake. Maya is a power of God. So, although maya is real, is not our imagination, yet some people still think, Tulsidas Ji gives an example, Rajat Seep. Rajat Seep. Someone sees an oyster on the beach at night, maybe shining in the moonlight. And he thinks, oh, there's silver. Let me go and get it. But when he gets close, he sees, oh no, it's not. It's just an oyster shell shining. It was my brahm. It looked like silver. It's just a shiny oyster shell. In addition, 
someone might get fooled, might get an optical illusion, a brahm, if they're out in the desert wandering. They see, oh, there's water over there. Yathabhanukaravari. Just like the sun can create that optical illusion. You can see there's water and then when you get there, oh no, it was my brahm. It was an optical illusion. There's actually no water. So some people think, oh, this world is not real. We're just imagining it to exist. Although it is not so, Although it is not so, yet Even if someone believes that and says, no, 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 this world does not exist, Tulsilasji says even then they cannot remove this illusion on their own. They will continue to see this maya everywhere. Unless, Jāsū kripā as brahm miti jāyī Giri jāsūi kripālu raghurāyī The only one who can remove such an illusion is Ram. If you receive his grace, your illusion is removed. Because, Sodāsī raghubīra ki samujhe mit here Tulsidas Ji says, Maya is Dasi of Ram. She is his power. Maya is not Mithya. Maya is a real thing. Thus, listen up. He says, it is, I'm saying this with full force. That no one can cross Maya without Ram's grace. If Ram graces you, then you cross Maya. So we see that even if someone wants to believe that Maya is an illusion and says that, well, the only thing between me and God is Maya. I'm here, Maya is here, God is here. So I'm just believing Maya is an illusion. As soon as I understand that, it's gone and I attain God? No. All the scriptures are saying, you still need God's grace in order to attain Him. Someone else may bring up another point. That the Vedas say, Parikshilokan karmachitan brahmano nirvedamayan nastya krita kritena Tadvigyanartham sagurumeva bhigachet samitpani shrotriyam brahmanishtham shvetashvatra upanishad. Excuse me, Mundaka upanishad. This is saying that if you want to know God, you need the help of a God realized saint, a shrotriya brahmanisht mahapurush. Shrotriya means one who is well versed in all of our scriptures. And Brahmanisht means the one who's actually experienced God. With the help of such a saint, you can know God. Gita says the same thing. Tadvidhi pranipatena pariprashnena sevaya upadekchyanti te jnanam jnaninas tattva darshina 
And Bhagavatam, also in different words, says the very same thing. Tasmad gurum prapadyeta jigyasu shreya uttamam Shabde parecha nishnatam brahmanyu pashamashrayam if you want to know God, you have to surrender to a God-realized saint. Guru binu bhavanidhi taraina koi jo biranchi shankar samahoi. Even if someone is as intelligent as Brahma or as renounced as Lord Shankar, they cannot cross this ocean of Maya without the help of a God-realized saint. <coughs> so it seems that we've found a way around the need for God's grace. If we get the help of a God-realized saint, then we can know God. Correct. This is what our scriptures are saying. However, how are you going to get the association of such a God-realized saint? Binu satasanga viveka nahoi Ram kripa binu sulabhana soi The association of a true saint is impossible without the grace of God. Ah, now we're back again to the grace of God. Ab mohi hanumanta binu hari kripa milahi nahi santa. When Hanumanji came to Vibhishan's door, Vibhishan exclaimed, Oh, now I know that Ram's grace is upon me because it is impossible to meet a true saint without his grace. Santa Vishuddha Milahi Punitehi Ram Kripa Kari Chitavahi Jehi the one who receives the gracious glance of Sri Ram gets the association of a Vishuddha Sant, a true divine saint. Jabadravahi Dina Dayal Raghava Sadhu Sangati Paye. So even if someone knows that, well, with the grace or with the help of a God realized saint, I can reach God. True, yet no one can receive the association of such a saint without God's grace. In this way we see that every route keeps bringing us back through this one point that we need God's grace. And in order to receive God's grace, what do we have to do? We have to surrender. That is the condition for receiving God's grace. Now here, someone may think that, but I thought God was Akaranakarun. Doesn't he have these degrees? He's called Akaranakarun, Binuhetu Sanehi. So someone may be feeling a little frisky and say that, Oh God, uh, why do you have these degrees if you're demanding something from us in return for your grace? You should be gracing us causelessly. That's what your name says, Akaran Karun. 
you're gracing the souls causelessly. But it doesn't look causeless to me. There's a reason. <laughs> the reason is we have to surrender. You're saying it yourself in Vedas, Gita, Bhagavatam, Ramayana. You're saying surrender, then I'll grace you. To ab vyapari ho You're a businessman then. Someone may go to this extent. Doesn't it seem like a an exchange, a trade? Like you go into a store, you want to get a hundred dollars worth of goods, give a hundred dollars worth of money. Simple. That store owner is not being gracious by doing that. If that's grace, then we're all gracious. We're all kripalu. You go into any of these stores along this road, you walk in and you think, oh, look at this. This store owner is so gracious. He's doing so much kripa upon me. You see this? He's paying rent to have this store open. He's fully stocked all of his shelves. He's here first thing in the morning, turn the heat on, turn the lights on, unlock the door, welcoming me when I come in. Aye, aye, bethye. Treating me so nicely, may even give me a cup of chai. All of this for me? Oh, he's so gracious. He's so kripalu. So God would say, he's not kripalu. <laughs> he has a reason behind what he's doing. He has a selfish interest. He wants you to buy his goods. So he's doing all of this for you. It's a trade. It's not kripa. Otherwise, we're all kripalu. So is God just like this? That he wants something from us in return for his grace? So we have said up until now, no. I'm of a higher moral character than that. I'm not paying any bribe for your grace. You give me your grace or don't give it to me, but I'm not surrendering to you. God says, you surrender first, then I'll grace you. And we say, no, 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 you grace me first. Tab dekho main so it's a standoff. God is waiting to grace us until we surrender and we're waiting to surrender until he graces us. Whereas Tulsidas Ji says, Aiso ko udar jag mahi Binu seva jo dravai din par Ram saris ko nahi Aiso ko udar jag mahi There is no one as gracious as Ram. God is perfectly gracious, perfectly selfless. There is no cause for His grace. He causelessly graces all of the souls without any demand from His side. Then what is this demand of becoming surrendered? Why is He keeping this condition? Why is that necessary? Question number one. And question number two, what is surrender? How does one become surrendered? Are you surrendered if you say the words, I'm surrendered? Are you surrendered if you bow down before God? How do you become surrendered? We'll answer all of these questions in tomorrow's speech. Bolye Vrindavan Bihari Lal Ki Jai